Mud Stories, Episode 18. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. The thing is, is that guilt and eating should never go together. Putting them together can put you on that hamster wheel. You know, realizing food, God made it for us to enjoy. It's not something that we have to control. He's not going to love you any more or less based on what food you eat or don't, or how much you eat, what size you wear, whatever, whatever. It has to do with performance, anything. There's nothing we can do that's going to make you love us more. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friends, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. Today I'm talking with Mary Lou Kasky, a certified life coach, speaker, and author whose aim is to help us all ditch dieting and find joy and peace with our food. Mary Lou helps with struggles of body image, weight, and the private messages we tell ourselves about food, and she is passionate about helping us all ditch dieting by replacing eating rules, judgment, and the diet merry-go-round with freedom, hope, and joy. Mary Lou has written a book called Show Your Food Who's Boss, Gain Freedom, Lose Weight, and Keep It Off. And it's a book which brings us a fresh perspective to help us replace self-doubt with hope, to avoid pitfalls, and discover subtle shifts that bring us powerful results in the quest to enjoy peace with food. In this episode, we discuss Mary Lou's personal mud story that contributed to her repeated weight gain and loss throughout the years, the tragedies she faced that compounded her struggle, and the secret to her eight-size weight loss once and for all. Mary Lou shares how she used food to medicate her pain, how she stayed heavy to avoid the fear of attention and attraction that being thin brought, how the messages we tell ourselves about eating and food can be so very defeating, and how when it comes to food and our weight, that understanding God's love for us and choosing to heal from the inside out over time is more important than we can ever know. Mary Lou speaks from experience on this topic, and because over the years she gained and lost a significant amount of weight over and over again, and through her journey of finally losing over eight sizes and keeping it off, she has discovered a perspective which might actually surprise you. I know it surprised me, and it just might offer us all the hope that we've been looking for in our struggle with food. Mary Lou has a heart of gold and such a passion to help others. I had such a fun time talking with her, and I'm so very happy you've joined us today. And I want you to know whether you struggle with food or not, I'm certain there's someone in your life who does. And may you be blessed by Mary Lou's freeing words today. Enjoy. Hi, Mary Lou. Welcome to the Mud Stories podcast. Hi, Jackie. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Oh, and I am so thrilled you're here because I think the topic that we're going to discuss today is one that will really hit almost every single person, whether whether they're male or female, young or old, married or single. 
I think it's going to be relevant to right where they are today. And I think everyone is going to be able to resonate with your mud story one way or another. So thank you for agreeing to join me here today. Oh, it's exciting. Thanks. So in life, Mary Lou, often what we struggle with is a combination of our past circumstances and our life experiences. And I know that right now today, if someone were to meet you, I'm guessing that they may have no idea all that you've faced, what you've overcome, and sort of the backstory as to how it all unfolded. So I'd love it if you would take us back to the very beginning and share some of those circumstances and life experiences that you had maybe growing up or in your young adult years that really set the stage for all the mud that you would eventually encounter. So share with us, how did it all begin? Well, thank you. Uh, For me, uh, my story has to do with losing a lot of weight and keeping it off just because people want to know about that part. And for that, I was just chubby as a child. It wasn't a big deal, but the part that was a big deal that I was bullied and ridiculed and called names because Uh of it. And um, I think that's so common for kids when if kids are chubby. Well, and and it was, um, I'm 53, so back then. Well, I'm 43, so we got a 10-year span there, yeah? There you go. I love it. And so, you know, it wasn't, um, you know, I even though I was only chubby, I was still one of the larger ones in our small community, Mm -hmm. the only one in my family that Mm was. And so it was, you know, hurtful in that way, but I wouldn't say that the the weight and trying to fix my weight didn't become an issue until after my second pregnancy. Mm. Real close to my f- daughter's first birthday, we found out I was expecting the second child. Very excited about that. Oh, so they're close and, together. Yeah, so they're real close in age. And that time, I, you know, of course was more tired because I had a one-year-old. And I, I just... You know, being tired and not taking as good care of myself, I did not realize how fast I was gaining quite a bit of weight. Well, and through pregnancy and childbirth, I mean, especially when we have kids close together. I know for me, I had four yes. kids in like six years. I totally oh, wow. understand <laughs> because you you gain weight with the pregnancy. It's just part of it. And then afterwards, when you don't have a lot of time, after yes. and you get pregnant again, sometimes it's just this accumulation of unintentionally gained weight, but it really does affect us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, I know you get that. And and w- what happened with me was that they're basically a year and a half apart. And so just that year and a half earlier, I'd quickly got back into my regular clothes. Well, this time I was eight sizes larger than I'd ever been in my life. Wow. I didn't know what to do. I had never been a dieter. I had never been about the scale. And I panicked because I didn't know, you know, I had been very active. And so I just wanted to find something quick. And so that's when I started my dieting path. I'm an extrovert. And I was very grateful to be a stay-at-home mom. But as an extrovert, I didn't make sure that I was getting out. Mm. And... I didn't take, you know, I was very into taking care of my daughter, who was just a year old when I got pregnant. Right. And um, so I didn't take the time for myself. 
And then these things like, well, I'm eating for two, which I never did the first time. Right. I just was not paying any attention to really good self-care. Okay. And I'd gained, um, like I said, I eight sizes, you know. So eight sizes. Different. Okay. So Mary Lou, you were eating a lot. I was eating a lot and I didn't realize it. Yeah. So what was it that food provided for you in that time? You're an extrovert. You're not getting yeah. out. You've got a a one-year-old to take care of. We all have been there. <laughs> Many of us yeah. have been there. It can feel overwhelming, somewhat depressing, maybe. Um, yes. What did food do for you in that time? Now that I can look back at it, I know that it was a mixture of boredom. Boredom, okay. Even though I love, love being a mom. Mm -hmm. It was boredom, and I wasn't really a controlling person until I became a mother. Mm. And it just fed into that control. That motherhood brings out the best in us, doesn't it? <laughs> mm, yeah. And so I think it was oh. just uh, my way of, you know, soothing that anxiousness that I had mm -hmm. as a mom. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of insidious, right? I'm sure you did not intend to gain eight sizes. Oh, and I didn't even you know? pick up on it. Right. You know, I, All of a sudden, yeah. Yeah, I thought, well, I took it off quickly the first time. I just really thought it would come off and none. I, didn't, I not only didn't get back, I just didn't lose anything. I remember thinking, I have got to do something here. And So what did you do? Well... That first time around, I just found the first quick weight loss that I could find, yeah. and I and I did lose, and I don't remember if it was fast or not, but I gained it back very fast because I gained, I lost and gained those eight sizes numerous times, but I'd always gain them back. Mm. And this was over a course of what I'm sure life happened in that time. You know, kids are growing up. You were married. Yes. Tell me a little bit about what happened in those years. Well, oh my, we had so much. By the time I had cycled that probably at least twice going up and down that much, mm -hmm. uh, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and put on steroids. And uh, That's you know, hard. Pain. Yes, and that, that weight's very hard to lose. Mm -hmm. And shortly after I had gotten my health back, uh, we were 30 and... The love of my life was diagnosed with cancer, my first husband. Mm. How old were you guys? We were both 30. Oh, Mary Lou. Yeah. And uh, it was melanoma. And that's a very aggressive cancer. Mm -hmm. And they brought him as close to death as they could many times. And so we went and lived with my parents during that time and... He had gotten a clean bill of health from all of his doctors, was hired as a elementary school teacher, and the cancer came back, and he lived just a few months. Oh, my. I can't even imagine. And how old were your girls? Uh, so she had been almost 11, let's see, when he died, and then our youngest daughter, when he died, was just ready for her ninth, her nine. Mm. Or, Eleven and nine. Yeah, and then oh, Mary Lou. Just months, four or five months after that, my brother had said he'd be my girl's dad, and he died in a car accident. Devastating. Mm. 
And so lots of times when people hear my story, they think that's when the eating for comfort and the weight, you know, the weight gain came. But I had already cycled, you know, a couple of times. Several times. Yeah. I mean, certainly those tragedies didn't help, right? I mean, when we experience profound loss, I mean, that is... That's a challenge for anyone to handle, whether or not we have a propensity to be comforted by food or not. I mean, that's a life change that's just profound. Oh, absolutely. When when it was when it looked evident that he wasn't that Paul was not going to live, that's the first time in my life I'd ever lost my appetite. Hmm. I had all the other emotions, whether it's happy, whatever. I mean, food just went along with it. Mm-hmm. When I finally allowed myself to feel sadness, I had no appetite. Hmm. I would not allow myself to feel sadness before that in my life. And it was just in my face. I couldn't get away from it. Wow. I had no appetite. It was so big, you couldn't avoid it anymore. I I couldn't fix it either. Right. So hard, so hard. All right. So you're a single mom now. Mm -hmm. The weight is still a struggle. You've had profound loss. What happens next? Well, I I dealt with that just the way that I chose how to deal with life at that point, and I ran from it. Hmm. And last thing I wanted was to remain single. Mm -hmm. I loved being married. I hated being single. So I looked for a husband. (laughs) And so thankfully... God brought a wonderful, wonderful husband in my life. But because I am the type that tend to do things full steam ahead, you know, <laughs> I did that instead. Grieving as effectively as I needed to do didn't how much my girls needed me. You know, even though I yeah. was there, I wasn't, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're trying to survive trying to survive and uh, you know you knew that married life was something you really did desire and so sometimes don't you think we we just reach for the next thing that can't that almost like you're you're falling down a ladder into a pit but you're just reaching for the next rung to try to stay up you know and for you you know remarriage was one of those survival you know, not that your husband isn't an amazing guy. I'm sure yeah. that he is, but um, God thought of that. Yes. Yeah, but you know, looking back, we can make these assessments yeah. that are very yeah. difficult to do while we're in it. Yes. You know, so I think it's important not to be too hard on ourselves looking back. Thank you. <laughs> but but it is good to realize, you know, we we all make mistakes. You know, you're looking back and saying, "Wow, I threw myself into remarriage, and maybe." you know, ignored some of those needs my girls had in the aftermath of a loss of a dad and an uncle. And and yet, you know, God's still able to work it for good. So tell us, you got remarried. <laughs> You're, the, the weight didn't magically disappear with uh, a, a, a wonderful new romance, right? Well, so it, what did you, it, what, what, tell us what happened next. It, that all pretty well took care of itself until... I got where I couldn't run from the pain of, I can only speak for death because I never was divorced, but I really didn't realize that that is just as hard on the kids as divorce can be. Mm. And once my girls reached an age that 
all girls look for their dad. I just saw, you know, I I quit running from the rose-colored glasses of being happily remarried. Mm -hmm. And when I'd see that pain, Mm -hmm. that's when I really started turning to food for comfort. Okay, so what ended up being your next step? What are some things that you discovered? Well, one thing that happened before I really got what helped me was that I did continue losing and gaining just by, you know, trying to fix the food or dieting. And I finally got to a place in my life that I was I was starting to lose again. And I had a couple of secrets that I wasn't telling anybody. And it had to do what would happen to me when I lost weight. And I'd never, ever heard anyone talk about this. You know, as I was losing that much weight, there was so much attention on my body and on my size. And and in some ways, I really, you know, ate that up and loved it and, you know, loved all the approval. In other ways, it had this dark side to it. I, I started having nightmares and flashbacks of being abused. And then another part that I didn't realize until much later was that what I would do was I would quickly regain the weight to stop those flashbacks and those nightmares. Hmm. So in a way, gaining weight back was a protective mechanism for your own heart. Absolutely. Even though I didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. Looking back now, you can see. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. And I, so I started, um, you know, in counseling. So weight sometimes is a way of protecting ourselves from uh, pain that is just too hard to handle. Oh, absolutely. You know, I really thought each time I'd regain, I thought because I'd lost my discipline, you know, it had to do with the food and Mm -hmm. it just wasn't. It was, you know, gratefully, you know, I got counseling and didn't really take care of the the weight to start with, and that was okay. You know, I think it was still my way of protecting as I was working through the pain. But yet, still in my heart, I knew there had to be something different. Okay, so when you would gain back, you didn't really realize in the moment that you were doing this subconscious self-protection against facing pain. But later, it's in looking back, you can state that it was a self-protective thing. Yes, Yes, I had no, I had no idea. I did realize that there was one part I was protecting myself from. Okay, what was and that? And this is this is another thing I'd never heard any happily married Christian woman ever admit to this. But um, I got addicted to the attention that I'd get when I was losing weight and when I would become smaller. And it was this controlling thing where I could just, you know, whether it was turn ahead or get a glance, and it was a fix for me. Mm. And it made no sense to me. I was very, very, very happily married. Mm -hmm. Both of my husbands, you know, extremely attentive. And but yet the secret just um, of being so addicted to not only the attention, but the control, how I could control a man by getting his attention. Mm-hmm. Well, it felt powerful. Very, yeah. very powerful. And uh, the more I 
the more I got it and the more I kept it a secret, you know, the more I wanted it. Mm-hmm. And um, I had no idea that that was common until I went to lose it for life <laughs> and heard how common that was. So when is it that you decided to go to lose it for life? What was the breaking point? What what broke you to the point where you knew you needed help? In, as an extrovert, I was barely leaving my home. For me, even though I was interested because of the weight, I knew I wanted to be there for my family. My my daughter was young, and um, so you show up at New Life Ministries, lose it for life. What happened? Well, that was. You know, really something for me to go from barely leaving my home to, I live in Florida and I flew to California. I'd never been anywhere on my own like that. And so I heard so many things I had never heard that were related to weight and to food. And if anyone's ever heard Stephen Arterburn talk, he's hilarious. And so (laughs) to be able to laugh, you know, at something as sensitive as weight and food, Mm-hmm. And then when I went, Dr. John Townsend, Henry Cloud were there. You know, they taught about how boundaries have to do with that. And then uh, probably the biggest thing was Dr. Jill Hubbard talking about wanting to be invisible. Mm-hmm. And that's where I picked up on this, you know, self-protection mm-hmm. or this, you know, not knowing what to do with all this attention. It, it, it helped me. Tremendously. And so, you know, I left with a lot of new concepts that I could just start one thing at a time. I didn't have to make it overwhelming, but I left knowing that I wasn't alone. I wasn't a freak. You know, that there was just so many, so many things that a diet would never fix that I left armed with just so much, you know. And so it was. And, you know, I went, I went back and because I was in such a low place in my life and not wanting to leave home, continuing counseling helped me with that tremendously. And then I completely changed my relationship with dieting and food. And it, it just, over time, has led me to, you know, be able to make a big difference for others. So before going to this event, you were like a hamster on a wheel, right? You were like, oh, yes. you were like, okay, I have to count the calories. I have to move more. And then you see those, uh, those foods that you love and you're like, oh, I failed again. You feel guilty. And then you get back on the wheel and you try, try, try. And up and down you went, up and down you went and you realize it's not working. And after coming out of new life, lose it for life. What changed about that dynamic that actually, I mean, yes, you realized a lot of internal things. Speak a little bit to that and then speak about the practicalities of what actually you did. Okay. Well, when I got home, one one small thing that made a difference was that uh, I, I really didn't recognize physical hunger. I'd gotten where I'd turned off all those cues. And so just adding this little pause of like asking myself, you know, could I be hungry, angry, lonely, tired, bored? I didn't have a clue what I was because I was so unaware. I didn't try to figure out which one I was. I just gave myself this pause to know it could be something different than hunger for food. So it's less important to identify what it is in the beginning, more important just to know, is it food or not? Is it hunger or not? Real hunger. Yeah. And even just that pause, and I was like, wait a minute, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not. 
and I didn't try to analyze it or anything. I just, just giving that pause, mm-hmm. that helped. And I just, I no longer, I quit making weight loss my goal. It just became the benefit. I love that. How so? I, you know, the other times when I try to lose weight, I was interested in probably the two biggest questions that people love to ask, how'd you do it? How long did it take? Okay. So how did you do it and how long did it take? (laughs) You know, I honestly don't know how long it took because, uh, to, to honestly, because I had this, it was no longer my goal and I no longer set, I no longer had any expectation of how long it was going to take. You know, it was more important to me to learn good self-care. It was important to me to learn how to, you know, have a healthy relationship with food. I, I was tired of the cravings, you know, and I and I, I, I changed my relationship with cravings and saw them as good things. And so it was this journey, no longer having to have that result of weight loss and not having to have it on a certain time frame. It changed everything and made it so much more pleasant. And especially because I had gained weight back, you know, with being mm-hmm. put on the steroids, I would have given up. I can see now, you know, God used all that. I can understand just about anything that, you know, people are, mm-hmm. when it comes to losing weight, I, I've been there, done that. And, mm-hmm. you know, being in a place of freedom and peace, there's just nothing like it. it it's beautiful. Well, what you're describing is that it's not necessarily about an end number goal. It's so much more about the inside and about becoming aware of who we are in Christ, who um, he's called us to be and the freedom that comes in there being no condemnation. Yeah. And then... You know, of course, we have to do some practical things, right, Mary Lou? I mean, we have oh, yeah. to eat reasonable oh, yeah. portions, and we have to eat healthy foods and things like that. But I, but the hamster wheel you were describing of it being a goal, and then you're chasing it, and then you fall off, and then you chase it some more. I love how you how you say you changed what that goal was, and you made the goal more about the inside. And so as you reflect on that change journey, because it wasn't a change that happened in a day, right? Oh, no. <laughs> it, it was a transformation over, over many years. And I would bet you're still in process with this. It's a lifelong thing. Um, I, I'd love for you to give some advice to all of us listening. If we are struggling with weight um, whether it's five pounds or 50 pounds or 150 pounds, what advice had have you learned through your journey of this up and down weight and this introspective um, processing that you've done? What, what can you share with us some advice as, as we look toward trying to replace that number as our goal and move <laughs> towards something more healthy? Okay, well, so many times we try to look for this one thing, and it's not one thing, just like anything that takes growth. It's not one thing. You know, I just do this one program, this one plan, this one thing, and then I'm fixed for life, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but yet working on one part of it at a time and not feeling like it has to be this big project can help tremendously. And, you know, tweaking as you go and healthy connection, it's just so essential. And talking to somebody that you know, like, trust someone that's not going to try to fix you. They're not going to try to give you this formula or, or judge you, but they're just going to listen and respect you. But also, they can speak the truth in love to you in a way that, that you'll receive it because you know it's done in love and it's not in harshness. And that area right there is many times where professional help you know, can make a, mm-hmm. make a really big difference. Professional help in the sense of I need a personal trainer and a diet planner? Or professional help as in, let's talk about the things that are in the inside and how I need to heal. Well, where I'm coming from, the inside work, definitely professional. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where not only the healing, but looking at your relationship with food or looking at your dieting messages. Let's talk about those, our relationships with food. Tell, how, how do we get healthier about that? The messages that we tell ourselves, what are some of those things and how can we change them? Well, for one, many times people don't realize the things they're thinking are very unhealthy and are putting them back in this hamster wheel. Things like guilt-free eating means I have to change the food. Hmm. Is, is the thing is, is that guilt and eating should never go together. Putting them together can put you on that hamster wheel. But unless you're talking to somebody that realizes that, you might never pick up on that. So, you know, realizing food, God made it for us to enjoy. It's not something that we have to control and we have to uh, make guilt free. And a lot of people don't realize the difference between guilt and shame too. Mm-hmm. And so much of that can come in. And one dieting message is something like feeling like you can't have something because you're on a diet. Well, the problem with that, especially because it starts with, I can't have it. So something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I cannot have this food. Mm-hmm. And I know I got to where, and I didn't realize this till later, but I thought that meant I only deserve to have that food or a certain amount of food once I reach a certain size, not before. Mm. And that, that's a real hamster wheel. So it's a message of telling ourselves wrong self-worth, dependent on the wrong thing. Yes. Mm. That's very powerful because I know I do that. <laughs> I had some potato chips last night that were yeah. really tasty. Yeah. I was thinking, hmm. My jeans are kind of tight. I shouldn't be eating those potato chips. But I did. I did it. And then I felt bad. Shouldn't have had those potato chips. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, yeah, you know I what? hear what you're saying. I mean, you know, I it's this is what I'm saying, Mary Lou. This message yeah. is for everybody because, I mean, even the men out there, I know you men are oh, listening. Yeah. And I know that you're going to want to have that double cheeseburger instead of the single with no cheese and no mayo and all of that. And you tell yourself that you feel bad because you gave in, you know. We have so many messages, Mary Lou, and looking at what our dieting messages are telling us is, I just love that you're talking about it because it's just hard practically to know what to do with those messages. I mean, when I ate the potato chips, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to be happy. Woohoo, I ate the potato <laughs> chips, you know? Would you like I mean, what is your happy? recommendation on that, you? you know? 
Well, I would first look at something that you said that so many people say and use the word should. Mm. What I should eat, what I shouldn't eat. And so if you start with that and change that, because using the words should, shouldn't, can, or can't, they can just lead you into that path of thinking that eating is black and white. Mm. It's right or wrong. It's pass or fail. It's should or shouldn't. And um, that's so true. We do that all the time. How do I change that? Well, you can come up with something that fits you and that, that when you say it, it brings you joy, you know, or you at least don't feel this condemnation. Well, those potato chips brought me joy. I'm just saying. Yeah. They well, did. They really did. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. And, and I think if you were hearing afterwards that you, you know, thought something was wrong with that, you know, working on that, but also just looking at what you're thinking paying attention to what you're thinking right before you made that decision to have mm -hmm. the chips. Well, well, sometimes it's the delayed gratification. You know, I've been, mm -hmm. you know, that day I'd been really good. I'd had my yep. multi-grain toast with my almond butter for breakfast. And then I'd had my little, you know, small little pre, you know, set leftovers that I had counted out already. And I had drank my water and I was just in that... I deserve this because I've been yeah. so good today, you know, and yes. it was just that split second moment of I'm only going to I, I even counted nine of them. I'm like, yeah. I'm only going to eat nine. And then after I ate them, I was like, well, if I wouldn't have had that bag of chips in the house, then I wouldn't have had this problem. You know, I, I almost <laughs> I almost made it like it's the food's problem, you know, like it's the food's problem that it was sitting on my shelf, you know, yes. and and I'm not that I'm not overweight. I'm yes. just, this is an issue in our minds. You know, we don't talk about this to people. Yeah. We, this is an internal dialogue that we have with ourselves. And even me, you know, not having huge amounts. Of, I mean, I have some vanity weight I could lose, yeah. you know, I could wear a one size smaller or one size one way or the other, but I can run, I can, you know, I'm a healthy person, but even that message to this happens to all of us is what I'm saying. Yes. So I'm yes. just looking for some practical help, Miss Mary Lou, because this is your, this is your thing. This is your message. And I, you know, we all want to know how can we overcome these messages that we give other than having given joy that I tasted those delicious nine chips. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, I do. I know exactly what you're saying. And because eventually if, the nine chips could turn into half a bag. <laughs> you and I were just having a, you know, if you were a buddy or a client or whatever, and you shared what you did, I would honestly ask you when you said about being good. Mm. Being good. And it's so many times we look at the wrong piece of what will actually change things for us. And with food and with dieting, we get in this performance. I've done good or bad, you mm -hmm. know, and it actually makes the food more appealing. The very oh, food that we're trying to. You're so right. You're so right. It is. I make it about good and bad. Yeah. Hmm. And so, you know, it's not like one food is better than the other. 
and changing that. Just to give a personal example that might help. If there's someone who's listening and they tell themselves, I can't have that, especially if they're thinking they can't have it because they're on a diet or they can't have it because they want to lose weight. Mm -hmm. Telling yourself you can't have something can just make you want it all the more or or you feel there's something wrong with you if you have it. And so I just I just changed that to, you know, I can, I'd see a food and I'd want it. And I think, you know, I can have that if I want it. And I had to mean it. Mm-hmm. I really had to mean it. I no longer made it this struggle, you know, between right or wrong, good or bad. Just, you know, I can have that. And because I wanted to work on delaying gratification and not always eating impulsively, I had a a time that I would tell myself, I can have that if I want it, but if I wait, it's going to get easier next time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I found that every time I did that, it just took that pull away because I wasn't telling myself I couldn't have it. And I just wanted to wait. I wasn't telling myself. That yeah, is and so it, good. it made a big, big difference for mm-hmm. me. Any area that we have in life, whether it's food or other things, you know, we we tend to, um, you know, get in this performance. And I can remember I would be so tormented by that scripture in First Corinthians that talks about your body being a temple. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I I'm going to put good in quotes, you know, when I feel like I was being good, then I was treating my body as a temple. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And when I read that and I look at taking care of myself is a way to thank God for what he's done and just to give back to him rather than taking care of myself in order to get his approval, it has a totally different feel to it. Oh, Mary Lou, that's powerful. Because really, gratitude changes so much, so much, so much because of what he's given we don't have to be bound by a performance. You know, his grace is free. It's enough. No matter what we eat, what we don't eat, no matter what we do, what we don't do, no matter how much we serve or fail to serve because of Christ, yes, we are loved unconditionally. We are made righteous because of Christ. His love never changes, and it's not based on us being good or bad. Right? No. That is exactly right. You know, he's he's not going to love you. When I say you, whoever's listening, he's not going to love you any more or less based on what food you eat or don't or how much you eat. Or what size you wear. What size you wear, whatever, whatever. It has to do with performance, anything. There's nothing we can do that's going to make him love us more. So it's like we need to change our whole mindset. I mean, it, it, it becomes more of a lifetime journey instead of a goal weight in the next few weeks. Like so many times we think of it as, okay, I want to get to this size and I want to do it by this date. And then life is going to be great because then once I get to that size, then my life is going to be happier. I'm going to be more accepted by people. I'm going to be able to wear the cute clothes. Um, I'm going to be considered more accepted in society. I'm going to think happier about myself. All of these self-talk things that we imagine and dream, really unrealistic expectations. Because what you're saying is, even if you like 
work out like a fiend and hire the most expensive personal trainer and you get meals brought to you that you are only allowed to eat those things. Even if you get to that goal and that the inside of you is still the same. And the, and the tapes that we play in our own mind are still going to be running because we're the ones playing it. Yes. So what I'm hearing you say is we're focusing on the wrong thing. Yes. Yeah. That's life-changing, Mary Lou. That's really life-changing. I mean, I'm just getting my life changed today. I just might have some joy going back to those potato chips. They are still downstairs right now. <laughs> <laughs> but what if I say to myself, you know, I could have those chips if I wanted. But for today, can I wait? Do I want them? Because God loves me, whether I eat those chips or whether I don't. Right? Yes. And what smiling so big. And what (laughs) feeling am I having about those chips and about what I'm worth and what God's thinking of me and what others are thinking of me? And and how does that hinge on whether I eat those nine potato chips or not? It's it's really an exercise in learning how to be pre approved by God and out of the gratitude for what He's done for us. You know, realizing that He's given me food as a gift and I have a big responsibility to use it wisely to take good care of what he's given me. This, this is so beautiful. And I, you know, I'm really not about the weight and I don't think about food all that much anymore, but these types of conversations, I never, ever get tired of it I know. because they're life changing. And, you know, we think so many times that what we need is somebody to tell us what to eat and how much to eat. And Mm -hmm. that does help some people. And so, you know, we think that's what we need to do. But if we haven't changed from the inside, not only can it keep us on that hamster wheel, but we miss out on the beauty. You know, like before I started doing all this inside out work, I was terrible at waiting. I was horrible Mm -hmm. at it. And it's not that I'm fantastic at it now, but it's, I can do it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not a chore to have to wait. And it depends on what it is, of course. But and for many of us, if it's weight or food, it's it's a great way to change from the inside because it's something that I mean we have to eat, you know. So right. Well, that's the prison that food becomes for some people. You know, some of us m- mask our our deep deep pain that we don't want to face with other addictions. You know, yes. it could be addicted to shopping. It could be addicted to approval from others. It could be, you know, addictions to other substances, other um, activities. Some of us are addicted to sports, you know, exercise can be an addiction. We all mask and try to cover our pain in different ways, you know, and for some of us, it's not always food. So we don't wear our pain on the outside, so to speak, you know, Yes. but I think this kind of inside out work is work that we all need to do no matter what our quote unquote drug of choice is, whether (laughs) it's food or, you know, uh, being obsessed by being approved by others, you know, 
it's yeah. it's all of us have something, some way we deal with pain because pain is hard to handle. And we've all been through tragic experiences in life. I mean, this whole podcast is called Mud Stories because <laughs> everybody has mud, you know, whether whether it's a tragedy that happens to us, whether someone does something to us against our will or whether we choose failure or um, purposeful sin or just messing up like, you know, we've all sinned and fallen short, you know, and yep. no matter what it is, you know, that brings pain and guilt and shame and all kinds of stuff inside. And really what you're talking about is getting way in there and doing some of that work and not making food the bad guy in this situation, you know, and because we have to deal with food, food's not going away, we have to eat. I mean, we can stop shopping, we can stop doing alcohol, we can stop, you know, um, doing getting that approval seeking and those attention seeking things through counseling or other things. But we can't just like up and abandon food, we can't just break up with food and say, Okay, food, you're my problem. So I'm leaving you. We, We Absolutely. We can't do that. So we have to find a way to work this out. And I think what is so beautiful about what you're sharing is that we can reconcile it. It doesn't have to do us in. It doesn't have to defeat us day after day after day. And we also, it doesn't mean that we're just going to be, you know, complacent and stay overweight if our heart can't handle it and it's going to make us prone to disease and it's going to make us not live as longer for our families. You know, you're not advocating just eating the potato chips and having joy, right? (laughs) You know, you're advocating dealing with the way we think about food and dealing with those inside things so that we can learn that delayed gratification and that self-control and that we can replace some of those cravings with God, because he's really what we crave deep down. You know, he's made that place in us that we need him. And then the relationship with food changes as a result of doing that other work. Is is that what I'm hearing you say? Absolutely. There's only one slight, slight change. Yes. Correct me, please. Yes. (laughs) It's beautiful. You just put it so beautifully. And for many people, it is to enjoy those potato chips when you're eating them, honestly, okay. or whatever it is. Okay, I'm going to try that to take that that's in. that's not part of it, and you make food the enemy mm-hmm. rather than for pleasure, but eating them mindlessly can actually be the culprit a lot more than just eating them. Got it. And okay, so, so it's, it's really my motivation. It's really me being in control of the potato chips. Y- yes, they, they're not in control of you. You're not controlling them, but you become in control by making these inside-out changes. And they're not bad. We just become friends. There you go. (laughs) I'm becoming friends with my potato chips. (laughs) Yeah. And they can just, uh, that doesn't mean that, you know, if someone has a real struggle with a particular food and it's a trigger food Mm -hmm. that, you know, for some people staying away from it, but it's how they do it and what they're thinking. Right. But making the food good or bad or making you a problem or the food a problem if you eat it. That's the it problem. It causes people a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. A lot. And a lot of eating disorders. Yes, do the work from the inside out. Embrace God's unconditional love. 
getting people in your life that help you to not be so hard on yourself. And not comparing ourselves to someone else because this inside work is going to be different, a different pace for everyone, right? Right. And it's going to be the the beauty of it is that that it's something that reaps such wonderful benefits is that you'll never want to stop doing inside work, Mm. inside out work, because we're always growing. It's that benefit of growth. I, I know for me, you know, I've come a long way, but I've got so long to go in the control area. That's an area that um, God continues to give me plenty of opportunities to grow in, grow in that area. <laughs> Isn't he you so know? gracious to do that? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, this this morning I knew I was going to be talking to you, so I did not go on my three mile run. <laughs> and before we talked, I was feeling kind of bad about that. I was thinking I'm I'm bad because I didn't get up and run. And I now I probably don't deserve to eat what I kind of would like because I need to eat less because I didn't do my run. And so now like I'm thinking, hmm, my run is good and I'm not bad. You know, it's just it's just a whole I, I think we don't even realize the self-talk that we do. We don't really yeah. even realize the self-talk that we do that really is a condemning uh, angle. And it's more damaging than I really realized, I think. It is. And we two things is one is we don't talk about it because we don't even realize it. But the other thing, you said something beautiful, lots of beautiful things. But when you were wanting to get the scope of, you know, whether I had just dealt with a little bit of weight or a lot of weight. Yeah. When when you lose as much weight as I have, and I've always been a person that loses it slowly, no matter what, I do. You know, mm. that means I had all those years of getting those messages in my head. You had lots of and practice. <laughs> I had lots of practice, and so does anyone else. You know, my story doesn't need to be that unique. Very few people know someone who's lost as much weight and kept it off as me. And Because um, you can now stand in one leg of the yeah. shorts that used to be tied on you, right? Yes. I bet yeah. if we visit your site, we'll be able to see a picture of that. Yes? Let me think. Where do I have it? Yes, if you go on my media page. Okay, on the media page. I'll link to that. And then... Um, I'm just so thankful to have talked to you today. (laughs) It's just, I love your heart and your passion for this and how you pick up on those little nuances of, you know, me even calling food bad or thinking I'm bad. And I think I just, I think so many of us just don't even realize how dangerous and unprofitable these kind of self-talk tapes are for our own hearts and really limiting our ability to really get to the goal that we really want. You know, we want that weight number. We want the scale to say that certain thing and we want it to happen in a certain amount of time. And yet we're sabotaging our own selves without even realizing it. Yes. And um, it's just a whole new perspective that, wow, I really needed to hear Mary Lou and I'm sure it's not going to end today. I'm going to be having a confrontation with the potato chips, but I think it's going to go better (laughs) because of talking to you. <laughs> well, good. Oh. And you just learn from it, you yes. know, and just learn from it. And, and give ourselves time, right? You said it takes a lot of time. Oh, yes. Yeah. And 
I, you know what, Jackie? I love to give sincere compliments. Could I give you one? Of course, of course. <laughs> what a gift. You have a gift. You have a gift at this interviewing process. You not only listened well and, and picked up on what I was saying, you just, the, the rich treasury of the things that you had to say along with it, it's just quite an honor. Thank you. Oh, well, Mary Lou, I feel the same, same way. Please share with us. Where can we find you online? If, if people want to go check you out, I know you've written a book. Yes? Yes, I've written you've, a book. You've written a book. So I want you to tell us about where we can find you online. Tell us a little bit about your book. You also are a life coach. Tell us about your coaching. Tell us about those those things. Okay. Well, you find out all of that on my website, which is uh, MaryLouKaskey.com. And uh, on the website... You can find, if you go to the tab that says book, uh, it'll tell you it's uh, show your food who's boss, gain freedom, lose weight, and keep it off. And it will show you where you can get either a Kindle or the paperback for that. The um, coaching tab will uh, tell you about coaching. And, you know, this this just came out of my heart of, you know, I'm so passionate about this subject that I wanted to get training on how to how to more effectively help people. And mm-hmm. so, as you can probably tell, the, the heart of some of my coaching, the heart of it has to do with, um, you know, being able to talk to somebody who understands and gets it. Um, yeah. But you can just see things from a little bit different perspective. And on the website, any, any place that it has for you to put your uh, name and email, you know, like for a free offer, you can get on my uh, newsletter that way and, you know, but I just love connecting with people. I just absolutely love it. Well, so. and I know they're going to love connecting with you. I feel like I got a mini little coaching session today talking oh. to you. And I just, I'm telling you, I just may still do a run or I may not. And I may go meet my potato chips or not. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to pause and wait wow. and see wow. how it goes. Wow. <laughs> So thank you, Mary. Mary Lou. Well, you're, thank you're you. very welcome. I just just thank you for this this chance. You know, there's all that I've been through and all that I've worked through in life is not wasted because it can make a difference. And I, I can't agree with you more. I think our stories, God gives us our stories to really not hoard the goodness that He's been to us, but to to share it, to reflect him in sharing it, and to really be of help and service to others who have been where we've been and who need to know today that there's hope. So I'm with you, friend, and I'm so thrilled you joined us today. I'm just praying many are moved and met and helped and changed by your words. I know I have been today, and so um, I hope you have a beautiful day. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Jackie, and thanks for everybody listening. (laughs) Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Well, wasn't that so uplifting? And I will say, since talking to Mary Lou, I've been much better about pausing, waiting, and analyzing what I'm feeling as I deal with food. And I'm hoping the same for you, too. That no matter if food is a struggle for you or not, that even just a small part of you was set free by the insightful way Mary Lou approaches this struggle because no matter what, food is not going away. And so if you know anyone who could use Mary Lou's perspective, I'd love for you to share this episode with them today so that 
they could be encouraged by her words too. And as always, you can find all the show notes and links to everything mentioned in this episode over at mudstories.com or jackiewatkins.com forward slash episode 18. And that's including a link to a free gift from Mary Lou entitled Five Weight Loss Myths That Sabotage Your Success. And also there will be a link over there in the show notes to her coaching services. I'm so honored and grateful that you took time out of your day to join me here. And if you have any suggestions for what topic or who you'd like to hear on this show, feel free to email me, leave me a voicemail message, or even a comment on this post. I'd just love to know what you're struggling with. What is it that keeps you up at night? What mud are you facing right now? so that I could bring you the episode that you need. And I'd also be so grateful if you'd be willing to leave a rating or review on iTunes. Just even a one-sentence review would help so much to get this show in front of more people who need to be encouraged by these mud stories. And you can do that by going to JackieWatkins.com forward slash iTunes. And speaking of being grateful... That is the title of the theme song to this show. It's called The Grateful Song. And this month of November is characteristically dedicated to giving thanks. And I'd love to give an invitation to you to join me. You know, back in 2011, Anne Voskamp wrote a best-selling book called 1,000 Gifts. And since that book was released, I've counted several thousand gifts, things that I'm thankful for, even the littlest things. And it's been so life-changing. It's just been a different way of seeing, of shifting my perspective. Well, this month, I'm joining Miss Ann Voskamp in counting 1,000 gifts in 30 days. And that's 33 things every day that I'm thankful for. And to do that, you know, it's only been three days. But I found that I've really had to go back to those basics of really being a noticer, being intentional about searching for things that I'm thankful for and shifting my perspective to really see what it is that I do have, what's right in front of me, instead of focusing on what I don't. And already, just in three days, it's changing me and bringing so much joy. It's like a search for what can I find that I can be thankful for. And so if you want to join us, I'd love to have you join us. You can use the hashtag uh, 1000GiftsIn30, and there's a little community building there. And as we focus on thanks this month and more specifically reflect all about what Mary Lou talked about in this episode, my prayer is that today, no matter what we're facing, no matter where we've been or what lies ahead, May we all find our grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day. A never-ending robber fails to press upon my mind I pull the shame that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me 
song 